Hi, this is Eric Chase. I'm the afternoon host with Cumulus Media Toledo's Q105 and your host for 68 Words. Welcome to another episode. A former media member herself, currently a board member with us here at the Ability Center and the president of the Northwest Ohio chapter of the United Spinal Association, Tanisha Ulrich worked with the team here to create disability-friendly media guidelines to ensure the positive portrayal of individuals with disability in the media and beyond. The main thing with this project is to just bring up discussion. And we have these guidelines and we send them out to bring about awareness so that people can kind of think. They're not hard and fast rules, most of them. They're just like, just just think about it. Making sure that you're not putting somebody in a category by saying they're wheelchair bound. You know, somebody is a, it's a wheelchair user. People, places, and spaces doing disability differently sharing firsthand experience in our podcast. Inspired by the 68 words that spoke the disability rights movement, learn where it started and what's next. Hi, my name is Stuart James and I'm the executive director here at the Ability Center and welcome to 68 Words. This is uh, this is a first for here for us on 68 Words. You sought us out, so thank you for doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, you are the United Spinal Northwest uh, Ohio. You say it for me so I get it correct. Okay, United Spinal Association of Northwest Ohio chapter president. Uh, what are some of the things that you do in that role day to day, but also larger vision wise? Um, we do a lot of advocacy. We do recreation. Uh, we have a lot of um, like guest speakers. We go out and speak in the community. So like we talk to a lot of physical therapy students at Owens. We've gone down to Finley. We've uh, we just take our message of advocacy out and um, let people know that we're here and we uh, we we talk a lot about how to how people can live their best life uh, using a wheelchair um, you were you were part of a pretty big important project here that went out into the community which we'll talk about in a little bit which goes with the webinar as well that maybe people will jump into and check out for dialogue um, after we've wrapped up here and again thank you for for coming and being a part of this very important podcast and the um, think differently effort here with the ability center tell me your story uh, you have been in a wheelchair since 2005 uh, and it was a, it was a car accident correct no it was an ATV accident Actually, yesterday was the anniversary of that accident. So in 2005, I had an ATV rollover accident. And I am a a T12, so spinal cord injuries are um, very diverse. There's a lot of, of people think that one size fits all when it comes to spinal cord injuries. And um, I'm a T12 complete. So um, that means I'm a para, a paraplegic. And uh, I am I have full function of my arms and my hands. Um, I'm just not able to bear weight. So um, so that that those are the, the challenge, the challenges that I have from my my injury. Uh, I had read, I think it's called Voice of Commons for the University of Finley. They did a, a profile of you, and I think it was a friend that spoke to you, and, and uh, I don't know if it was he or she or who it might have been, but they spoke about you needing to properly grieve this or it would hit you like a ton of bricks at some point. Can you tell me about that? Oh, yeah. Uh, after my accident, I was just so happy to be alive and to be um, rescued because I'd been out 
and nobody knew where I was and I had been out in a field for um, three or four hours. So when I came back, I was just I was just happy to be alive and I was approaching life with that mindset. Um, and I continued to try to push through all the, the, the challenges and problems that I was facing and with that mindset. But at the same time, I just wasn't um, allowing myself to grieve. Somebody had told me that, you know, if you don't, if you, it's OK to, to complain every once in a while and it's OK to to share your challenges and share the 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 feelings that you're having about your loss. So uh, they had said, you know, if you don't grieve it, then it, it was actually a counselor that I had been seeing. It was a, a friend and a counselor. So he had come to my house and, and we had talked a little bit after I had gotten out of the hospital. So um, I would share that with anybody that was going through something like a spinal cord injury where um, it just hits you like a ton of bricks. And sometimes it takes a while to process those feelings and um and understand how life is going to be moving forward. That's the great thing about the group with United Spinal is that we come together and we share our experiences. And it's not like we're so um, alienated. You don't feel so alone around where you're the wheelchair user around people that are able-bodied. You're a wheelchair user in a group of other people that are wheelchair users. And I always say we get further faster by being together because we are so there's there's people that have had the injury longer or they've had their injuries since they were um since they were born and um and they share their their challenges they share their um victories and then uh, we can learn from that and get further faster by being together i uh i deal with mental health issues and i've long been associated with nami and uh, they do a lot of great support groups, specifically for families of people with mental health challenges. And uh, as I tell myself and others and people who go there, um, the, the depression, the anxiety, the illness will trick you into thinking that you're completely and utterly alone. And I think you might have descri just described that as well. It can be anything that is an albatross in your life. It will trick you. It will distort your reality. But then once you can come out of that and you see others like yourself, it makes it easier to live, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. uh, did you have an organization like you're a part of now uh, for you back then when the incident happened? So the first person that I came into contact with that had that was a wheelchair user um, was a guy named Mike Miles, and he was from he worked at the Ability Center, and he came over and he took me out to play tennis. He took me out to play golf, and um, just mentored me a little bit, and and really made a difference in showing me that there was opportunities out there and things that I could do, and um, and that that was great. And then later. A little later on is when I met uh, Kathy R. Curry, who was the president of United Spinal at that time. Um, I met her and then she brought me into the group. And that's how I kind of got to know some other people who were wheelchair users. And then now I play wheelchair tennis with a group of wheelchair users and, and we're friends. And um, and and that's been interesting to to learn from a whole new set of people and uh, from their challenges and and I'm pretty open, so sometimes when I go into these groups, I, I want to talk about all these challenges. I want to talk about, um, I want to get to the root of how we can make things better and, and um, 
and sometimes uh, that comes off I, I do that right at the start you know and, and and they hold back a little bit but eventually they come around and we're able to share so I can relate to that because I'm kind of I put my whole life out there. I think it's the best way. It's the best way for me to approach a problem. And I know, as I think you just alluded to again, getting it out there, uh, being transparent when you're ready is is so cathartic. Um, tell me about your work with people who uh, you come into, who have a situation like you did so many years ago. Do you have to find the right time to thread that needle to let them grieve or do you maybe have to stop yourself as you just kind of mentioned like you want to jump in and go this is going to be okay we're going to get you out in the tennis court you're going to be the next serena williams or whoever you may be and then they're not quite ready yet so you've got to do a little little um wheelchair psychology yeah um peer mentoring is difficult and i found that out um i don't have all the answers and uh i i just try my best and I have learned that it's best not to try to impose what you think is best on somebody else. And it's best to meet them where they're at and try to understand where they're coming from because every situation is different. So in my process of learning uh, how to peer mentor, that would be the best advice that I could give. Uh, because like I said, I don't have all the answers for that yet, but uh, it's a process and it's um, it's difficult. Um, it's difficult to meet somebody in the hospital and go back to where you've been in the past and some of those those hard times that you've been through. So so it's but it's cathartic in a way. And, um, you know, when you have it's like it's it's like facing trauma head on. That's what they say is some of the best ways to deal with trauma is to just face it head on. So mm -hmm. um, that I think can can be cathartic in a lot of ways is to meet people at the hospital where they're at, although it's very hard. Um, I mentioned uh, my mental health challenges. I, I bipolar too, so I get beat up really bad by depression. Not so much anxiety anymore because I'm properly medicated, even though I pushed back against that for a long time. And then, you know, I just hit the right one. So uh, one of the reasons that I'm thankful I have the opportunity to do this is to dive into the psychological aspect of disability. Um, Stuart sometimes says, mine is invisible. Um, I know on the webinar, uh, Tim Teggy from the Sight Center didn't want to use the word disability. He used impairment. And there are far too many days in my life where I feel impaired because it's just what my brain is telling me to do. Walk me through the mental health challenges then, in the middle, and now that you go through with your disability. Mm, uh, I, I would say at first it was just staying positive and um, trying to get through where I was at at that time, trying to see my way through it, see my way through that storm, how, what my life was going to look like at the time. Um, my husband came to me and said, are we even going to be able to stay in this house? And at that time, it was it was, it was just like, yeah, we're, of course, I couldn't see past that. I couldn't uh, take take that into, I couldn't take in a move at the right. same time I was trying to get through where I was at. So um, there was a lot of challenges as far as that goes. And my and my accident was was very traumatic because there was a it was a 
there was a lot of injury and there was a lot of uncertainty um, because I didn't know whether or not I was going to make it. So um, I had a lot of trauma from that. That um, And I tend to deal with problems uh, like that where it, it takes me a while to process my feelings. So, um, Do your best thinking in the shower? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Although I like to put on music when I'm in the shower, like podcasts. I like to listen to podcasts while I'm in the shower. And Here's try one to you think. can listen to. Yeah, absolutely. What do you like? I, I like to deviate from time to time. And to warn you now, when I say it's my last question, there's usually three more last questions. Mm. What music do you like to listen to? What podcast do you like to listen to when you're in the shower? Oh, um, I like to listen to, uh, I actually like older country music. Okay. So I like like classic country and, um, and podcasts. I really like, uh, I really like the comedians, uh, Christina Pazinski. She has one called your mom's house. Um, and, um, I like, uh, I like Joey Diaz. Uh, and, uh, I really like, um, uh, mostly Christina Pazinski. She's my favorite right now. So if you're, a lot of people get accused of singing in the shower poorly. You get accused by your husband of like cackling and laughing your, your, your backside off in the shower. Yeah, yeah, I do. I do laugh quite loudly sometimes at some of the stuff that they're talking about. Yeah. So it, it, al it also <laughs> seems like um, uh, we had to put your body back together, but also your, your mind uh, after the incident. Mm -hmm. um, and it sounds like it was really helpful, serendipitous. Your friend you mentioned, uh, I don't think you were paying him a copay. His counselor was able to offer some some friendly advice and insight. Mm -hmm. Actually, I'd seen him before my accident. So when I was in college, I'd went to see him. Um, I was dealing with some post-traumatic stress um, issues before my accident. So then he came to see me when I was in the hospital as a visit, as a friend. And then afterwards, he came and just talked to me. And, and uh, it was just as he was transitioning. So he was no longer going to be my counselor at that time and uh, he his parting wisdom was to to kind of make sure to deal with some of these challenges head-on and um and grieve it yeah grieving was the big thing that he had said make sure you grieve it give yourself that grace to um, grieve it have i do some work with good grief of northwest ohio they help kids and teens uh dealing with the loss of a loved one. Um, not through any kind of tragedy, it just could have been they loved the grandparent and that grandparent hit, wasn't gonna make it to 115, 114 was the end of the road. And they always talk about um, everybody's grief is on their own timeline. Um, have you learned things like that? And, and is that insight that you've passed along because you've inevitably doing what you do and helping who you help? See, a lot of stages of grief. Yeah, absolutely. I think, um, I think grief it's ever changing and it's it's not a straight line it comes and goes and sometimes it hits you when you least expect it and i think it's important to just to uh, let yourself feel it when it does come around and let yourself um try to understand where those feelings are coming from and and don't be afraid of it and don't try to try to cover it up or speed through it and uh, take the time to uh to process it and just try to get through it there's no easy way that's for sure mm -hmm. it's a it's it's something that's not going to go away it's it's just something that's ever changing it's ever evolving and i'd say just to to um, be gentle with yourself or the person that's going through it and to and just 
try to come up with creative solutions to um, to help get through it. Um, talking is always good. Talking to there's a lot of different counseling options that are out there um, today. Uh, like you can do it online. You can do it on the phone. You can doesn't necessarily have to be in person where you go to counseling. So that's that's important. Um, and and uh, even just like with our group getting together and talking sometimes like about our challenges, getting together with somebody else that knows what you're going through and saying and being honest about what what it is that you're feeling at the time. I started to call. I, I like to quickly dismiss buzzwords because, I mean, you can have all the great sayings on the Internet, but it, it requires action. And if they catalyze action, great. Um, but. Uh, self-care has has been one thing that's been huge, especially during uh, COVID times. And I like to switch that over to what you just mentioned. I, I've switched it over to mental health hygiene. Um, we brush our teeth every day. If you don't, I don't mean to offend you by any way whatsoever. <laughs> Shower, bathing, all that stuff. Hot hygiene stuff, which we do every single day. And we don't do it because it's, it's glamorous. It's just something that we feel we need to do. Or we make our our twice a year dental appointments, like you just talked about. Um, maybe sometimes your disability, your brain saying, you don't want to talk about this. I just want to sit in your brain and make you upset. And then you go talk to one of your groups and then before you know it, you kind of snap out of it, don't you? That, yeah. that mental health hygiene. Has there ever been a time where you weren't in the mood to talk about it and then you talked about it and you felt really good? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Um, although <laughs> sometimes when when we're out and about in in the public, that it's, there's people that come up that want to ask questions about um, why you're a wheelchair user, um, and I, that that just come out of the blue. And I was thinking about that while you were just describing. Sometimes you don't want to talk about it. And it's like that's always difficult for me when um, somebody comes up and and asks those questions. And we've had some in our group. We've had some um, guest speakers come in and um, and talk with us about how we could deal with those situations. Her name was Rosie Best, and she was from Issue Box Theater. And she came in and and she did a little improv with us about like so we're in these situations and people come up. What is it that that just just say it to me as if I was that person and I think some of the people in our group got real benefit out of that um, to kind of play through how they could deal with those situations and it, it was it was fantastic it was great as someone who just admitted a couple minutes ago you you like to, to go to warp speed pretty quickly no small talk right to the point do you ever deal with those situations of people who ask direct questions like that with a little bit of sympathy or a little bit of humor? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Sometimes I make up stories. Me? Yeah. <laughs> Have you come up with any fun professions or, or, or <laughs> that like you didn't see me on ESPN last week? Yeah. Hello. <laughs> Did you finish watching the U.S. Open? We were on afterwards. Yeah. It was after midnight, but I was there. You were at the U.S. Open? <laughs> yeah. I won. I was attacked by a bear. I told him that one time. Yeah. Uh, what's the story that goes over best? Or do you just constantly change it? I constantly change it. Yeah. Um, I ask, I ask everybody that sits down in this and I think I know your answer because uh, of all the guests so far you have forced me to do the most homework um, I I say this with great respect I think you are from what I gather uh, are an incredibly tenacious advocate um, and don't like to deal with anybody's BS um, do you to, to, to what Tim said 
Tim doesn't like the word disability for him. He's it's impairment. How do you define yourself? Do you have it? Do you see yourself as something that has a disability? Yeah. Yes. I I think that disability is a good word to describe me. I um, I think it's hitting it head on, and um, I think everybody that's a choice that everybody can make for themselves. But for me, it's it's not a dirty word, and I think it's it's the best way to describe me. It's just I have a disability. I'm a wheelchair user. I'm somebody that uses a wheelchair. Um, I it's been a in the past. I've I've been in some um, news stories where uh, they're talking about wheelchair tennis or they're talking about access and it's going along great and then they they use the word, word wheelchair bound and I always I dislike that so much because when I got my wheelchair for the first time I cried because I had been in bed for like two months so my wheelchair was my freedom and then on the same side of the token I understand where they're coming from they don't really have any other uh, that's just an easy word that they use um, but it sparked some conversation and I talked with Mallory Crooks here at the Ability Center and we came up with um, some guidelines for people in the media to to use or utilize and basically it brought about a conversation and that was the the main thing how are people viewed in the media how how are what kind of words do we use to describe people when they're doing stories in the media what um how how we're portraying them and to just talk about it and have a conversation and uh, and the main thing that came from that conversation was just ask questions just just ask us you know just it just just be open and ask questions and we'll uh, try to come up with the best answer that we can. We have to unlearn a lot of things because how old are you? I am 42. Perfect. I'm 43. When we were growing up, we were told to mind our business, right? Like don't stare, don't ask questions. And now it's more of that. Like don't be in, try not to be insensitive. Keep your intent genuine Mm -hmm. and honest. But ask the question because you would rather have, uh, like, I love hearing stewards t- tell these stories. Like, you'd rather have somebody ask you than than constantly peer at you. And, and I get it. Like, we all, if you, if a purple, if a purple human being walked into this room right now, we would just stare. There are not many purple people, but things that are different um, cause us curiosity so you just encourage people to ask Mm -hmm. especially if they're doing a story on us in particular like if it's if it's something that's in the media then it's just important to say you know what kind of let's work together on this and and uh ask the questions to try to get a better understanding of what kind of disability the person has or how they would how they could best be portrayed um, and you have that insight because you have successfully retired from legacy media, correct? Yeah. Yes, yeah. You made the wise decision to leave uh, 13. You were an engineer, producer? Um, I worked at 24. Uh, well, for, yes. First, I worked at 13. Um, and I was I worked in engineering. And I did, I did camera. And I did uh, audio. And then I went to 24. And then I started out doing camera and Chiron there. And then I did uh, audio and then I ended up directing. They did a, they automated their system. So everything was put together in one job. So there was like seven different positions that um, all was conglomerated down into one. So uh, I did that at 24. And um, when were you at 24? That was, I left in 2008. 
Uh, do you ever miss those media days? I do. We had some really good friends that we worked with, and uh, I think we. It was an interesting job. It was. It was interesting. That's for sure. It was um, even during times, especially during times like when I worked during nine eleven. That was really. It was. It was so. Um, it was just this a, a long week that's for sure because we were all there continuously and 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 working in a situation like that where it's um it's live you get bonded with people yeah um because you're in such a high stress things there's it creates anxiety um so you you bond with people in situations like that and we definitely did with our crew so uh we i i do miss it in that sense the people that i worked with they were good good people stay out Stay away. Yeah. Stay far away. Just keep podcasting. <laughs> um, to stay with media, uh, we've alluded to the project a couple of times. Um, you have worked with the Ability Center to create a, a document um, of improper things to say and, and more proper suggestions when it comes to addressing disability. Um, I still walk on eggshells with some of our guests here on the podcast because I've never met any of you before we sit down at this table. And uh, I know that most of you are probably far more nervous than me, but the last thing I want to do is, uh, is, is, to, is to offend anyone. There are people out there who are just uh, clumsy and, and ignorant with their words. When people say that about any issues that I struggle with, I just immediately dismiss them. I think that's why Stuart and I get along so well. Like, mm -hmm. I, I don't know, I'm Jewish as well. There are many, 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 many slurs that you can throw at me and I'd be like, cool, I'm gonna go check out a Target now. Uh, I think I'm glad that you're doing this because what I view as your tenacious advocacy because I think you are, you will make, and I think you probably already are, an incredible teacher and in guiding people um, so that we can all communicate better. Because to be honest, um, and one of the first things in your document says, uh, person first. Mm -hmm. um, I read the document and up until not long ago, I didn't know what that meant. But I, know, I mean no ill intent. Um, and that makes me think that there are scores of other people who don't know what that means and they mean no ill intent. Um, so it's like we almost have to, if, instead of starting at level one, it's like level zero. Mm -hmm. Can you explain person first? Yeah, I think that it's it's just important when you're using descriptive words to make sure that you're you're not putting someone in a category where. Uh, oh, oh, it's so difficult. <laughs> tell, oh, tell me why it's difficult. Because if it's difficult for you, it's even more challenging for us. Yeah. Um, I think it's difficult because every situation is different. And that's why we keep coming back to the fact that it's just important to ask questions. And the main thing with this project is to just bring up discussion. And, um, and we have these guidelines and we send them out to bring about awareness so that people can kind of think. 
Um, but it's not a, it's not, they're not hard and fast rules, most of them. They're just like, just, just think about it. Kind of open your mind a little bit to think about how it could change a little bit. Just um, making sure that the, that you're, you're not putting somebody in a category by saying they're wheelchair bound. You know, somebody is a, it's a wheelchair user. Like those are, there's, there's a, a host of other things in between that you come into contact when you're trying to deal with this, but it's it's mostly just we're people and we all have um, challenges. We're not all the same. We don't all know every person that's in the wheelchair community. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> so that's always something that's interesting. Aren't that, you on an email list or something? They don't, <laughs> they, they don't send out an email blast? Yeah. I but, actually do think I know all 2,000 Jewish people here, though, but there's not a lot of them. <laughs> but yeah, that's, that, that's interesting. I have not heard that one before. Yeah. Can I ask you about your encounter with Rob Portman? Oh, yeah. Um, we went to the Roll on Capitol Hill for United Spinal. It's an event that they hold every year, and it's an advocacy event. Um, they're really passionate about it. And uh, we, we've we gone um, two times. We've gone twice and uh, had a blast, learned a lot. Uh, one of the times that we were there, we uh, we were asked to go to a coffee um, that was going to be in Rob Portman's office. And you never know if they're going to be there or not. So we just went into a room full of people and I was dressed in my United Spinal bright orange shirt. And there was uh, a room full of people that had blue suits on that was just everything was just so dark. And um, I was talking to one of the aides about some of our our initiatives we were talking about like a direct care for people um, home health care aids better pay for them um, accessibility um, a lot of different things and all of a sudden it was just like Rob Portman just kind of scooted the the aid over and he slid right into place and then we started talking to him and he gave us like 15 minutes so um, I th- I was talking to him about all these initiatives at first I kind of just was just I would I didn't put any personal touch on it I was just telling him about all these things and then I kind of realized I was losing him so I started to talk about what happened to me that morning and how I was out and about and the people that I met and and um and how I, some of the struggles that I had to get to Capitol Hill because the the subway system um, only has certain stops where there were elevators and some of those elevators were broken. So um, I just shared my, my personal experience and um, and he was gracious and it was a nice meeting and I think he, he took our, our um, what we had to say to heart. So it was good. It was a great day. Um, how would you grade uh, Toledo, Northwest Ohio, our accessibility here? On a, we, we can do 8F if you want. <laughs> uh, I think that I think that it's it's got a long. It's ever changing. So that grade, if I gave it a grade today, it would be different with next week. We can grade it next week. I'll come back. We can set all this up again. <laughs> you can text me or anything like that. It's just, it's just so ever changing. You know, the the there's so much construction that's going on, and and that's 
uh, over right now in Oregon, they have some projects that are going on that I've been a part of where um, they have gotten some money to change the the layout of their, they're putting in a bike trail, they're putting in um, a, some roundabouts, they're putting in a, a downtown, they're calling it the downtown project. And so we have been going to those meetings to let them know that we're here you know, to keep us in mind. We're, you know, people with disabilities, we're 25% of the population. And, uh, and when they put these, these, make these big changes that, to keep us in mind, because it's going to affect us for a long time. So, um, you know, it may seem small, but the, the curb cutouts and the sidewalks and the way they're laid out and uh, it makes a big difference in our lives and and uh, and the lives of the people that are in our community so they can get around and be out and be active and be in the world within that 25 percent um, which is included in the uh, in the document that, uh, that you've created for the ability center and it's pretty eye-opening um within that 25 percent do you run into challenges like maybe the one you're talking about in Oregon? Because within that 25%, there are there's a vast spectrum of disabilities. Does that become a challenge to get people to change and understand? Because not all the accessibility would be the same. Some of it is. Some of it is the same. So like the curb cutouts, that's a big one where it would it would help people that were um, that were using crutches as well as it would ha- help people that were using a wheelchair or even somebody that s- had hip issues and they weren't using crutches yet and they were trying to get up over the curb. So so some of those things are real basic and baseline. Sure. And um and I would say curb cutouts are a big one. And it's how big they are, how where they're putting them, how steep they are, thing, things like that. Uh, it's just it's just really important. So it's important for us to have a seat at the table so that when they, they make these changes and they're talking about these plans that we're there. And um, sometimes we have to put up with some... Um, some adversity because of it but we just keep going and letting them know that we're here and in particular it's a the projects that I've been involved with have been the suburbs around Toledo so a lot of them are older and they have a lot of issues with accessibility because of that so it's coming up with with um, solutions to try to to help people be involved and be people who can live their life, live their best life. Yeah. Do you live out in Oregon? Is that your part no, of town? I grew up out there. Gotcha. Um, I have family out there. And uh, I live in Bowling Green. It's rural Bowling Green. So it's in between um, Bowling Green and Perrysburg. So uh, Perrysburg Township? It's just, it's a quarter of a mile from Perrysburg Township. So it's still a Bowling Green address, but it's out in the country. Um, that's a whole other issue is people with disabilities that live that that live in the rural areas it's making sure that they're they have a seat at the table as well and making sure that their voices are heard even though they're they're out sometimes they can feel alone and there's a lot of people that are in our group united spinal that are from rural north northwest ohio so we all have a lot of things in common because of that that might be one thing that the the average person can understand that Sometimes in rural areas, things are much slower to change for a variety of reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, the serious part of this is done. What's your favorite restaurant? Mm. I like to cook a lot, so I don't go out what to do you eat like to cook? a whole lot. 
Oh, I like, um, well, this time of year we grill a lot, but then in the wintertime I make like, um, I like uh, jambalaya. Um, that's one of the things that I make a lot. I like to make big dishes full of things that um, that I can have for like a like a week and and once they're in the refrigerator for an for a night that they taste better and that's jambalaya bless bless your heart for loving leftovers as much as you do i do yeah well, what what else besides jambalaya uh throw throw some tips my way because i'm not a leftovers person i enjoy cooking but it's only me the dogs would love to eat but it's only me i don't make more elaborate things because i don't want the leftovers so what's a good leftover that 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 tastes as good or better than when you made it fresh? I would say the best thing that I could tell you about leftovers is is it's probably the way you're making it. So if you're putting it okay. in the microwave, in particular, say it's like fried chicken, okay. you can't just put that in the microwave because no. it's going to get all soggy. Um, you could put it, I would say put it in the oven um, and warm it up that way. If you have like a little convection oven, put it in there, that, that makes it nice. But also you can put your leftovers in a saucepan on the, on the stovetop and put a little bit of water in there. Put okay. like two tablespoons of water in there and then stir it up. So especially if it's something with rice, then it's gonna be as as good as the first time you had it. This is almost, this is almost defeating the purpose of leftovers. Don't we eat leftovers because it's so d- darn easy? Yeah, I think, yeah, I think so, yeah. But it, it it's it's delicious. It can be delicious, too. And like I said, even more delicious because it's sat and let the flavors meld overnight. Do you ever want to be a chef or work at a restaurant? I did. I used to work at a restaurant. I was a waitress. Um, so I worked at uh, I worked at Cracker Barrel. And my first job, I worked at a farm. And then um, then I worked at Cracker Barrel for five or six years. Um, what do you spend too much money on that you should not? Not much, really. I drive a lot. Um, spend a lot of money on gas here yeah, lately. Yeah, we'd all like to spend less. Yeah. Nothing like you don't have any Amazon binges or... Mm, yeah, I do. I like looking through things on Amazon. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I guess I like I like clothes. Um, That's I like good. To do that. I like yeah. I, I I like clothes as well. Pretty simple though. <laughs> I used to I used to like to shop a lot, and I don't do that anymore. So I don't know. I just I'm pretty simple though. I'm pretty simple girl. What is complicated about you, other than all the stuff we've already discussed? Like maybe something that drives your husband nuts, and he just throws his hands up in the air. Oh, um, I'm always worried about other people's problems, and I'm I'm always taking their problems on as my own. And and then I let that bother me. So I would say that that would probably be it. He always tells me you can't worry about things that you can't control, and and that's hard for me because because I just I just want to help. So, but I, I, can't. I think that line is BS <laughs> because I handle the things I control and I do quite well. I want to control the things I can't control. I love pushing back on these these glib, trite sayings. Um, for some reason in the questions, I, I'm sure you'll give me the answer. Uh, why am I being asked to ask you what your favorite emoji is? <laughs> Will you emoji bomb me? No, no. I think I just smile. It's usually just a smiley face. I do that. Uh, if I looked at your phone and saw the most re- recent emojis, which one would have me the most horrified or what make me want to ask the, uh, the, the question about it? Like, is there a cello in your top used emoji? Just oh, there's music notes. Yeah, music notes. Because I, when I say happy birthday to somebody, I always, I always say happy birthday to you. And then I put music notes. Yeah. 
Um, Tanisha Ulrich, thank you so much for being a part of this. Yeah, did you enjoy this? Yeah, I did. Are yeah. you uh, are you a little more calm than when we first sat down? Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, thanks for being a part of 68 Words. Thanks for answering some of my questions on behalf of people who I think have these questions. Yeah. And I think uh, the biggest takeaway, uh, there's a lot of them, but just ask the question. Don't be a jerk. Don't be ignorant. Just ask. Yep. Awesome. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you. This is Chief Armstrong with Toledo Fire and Rescue. 68 Words has been a production of the Ability Center, hosted by Cumulus Media's Eric Chase. Engineering provided by Will Mellon and executive produced by Mallory Crooks. If you, your group, organization, or business is interested in hosting a disability awareness experience or have other inquiries, please contact info at abilitycenter.org. Until next time, think differently. Think differently. Think differently.